where are we potentially settling in this season of our lives? Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at The Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, The Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's so evident in the house today. And Father, we believe, God, that uh, you are still alive. You still are speaking to our hearts. And Lord, today, God, just as your people, God, we pull up to your table, God, and we say that we're hungry to hear and to receive from you. And so, Lord, would you come today and would you just speak to us, God, as we open up our hearts. Lord, we believe, God, that your word is powerful and is still moving in our hearts. It's still relevant. And Lord, we thank you, God, today that just... um, Once again, our hearts are just a a clear canvas, God, for you to write on. In fact, uh, if you can, I've just, all week I've been thinking about this, so this may sound silly, but just do this with me. Can we just say, Holy Spirit, Spirit. come. Come. Holy Spirit, unless you come, God, there's no reason to be here. So would you come and would you just speak loud and clear to us today, God? I believe that you have... uh, something specific that you want to accomplish in each and every individual here today that uh, they may think they just popped in this morning, but Lord, they're not here by accident. Lord, I believe there's something personal you want to say, and we just give you permission in our own hearts to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, uh, over the years, I've heard a, a number of people say a particular quote-unquote Bible verse is their favorite verse in the Bible. In fact, just real quick, just for interaction's sake, you know, I'm not going to pull you up here and make you quote it or anything like that. But, but if, you, if you actually are in here today and you go, man, I got a, I got a favorite Bible verse, can you just kind of wave your hand at me? I'm just kind of curious. That's pretty impressive. You know, listen, when you, when you think about it, uh, these people that just wave their hands and all those people, man, they have actually whittled down uh, 31,102 verses down to one. <laughs> Let's give him a hand. That's pretty good. Let's get, hey, there we go. <laughs> listen, for the rest of us poor suckers in here, listen, I, uh, I don't know about you, but for me to uh, say that I have a favorite Bible verse, it's kind of like saying I got a favorite child. And uh, that may sound silly, but listen, when it, when it comes to, uh, you know, my children, I favor all four of them for particular reasons. And, um, you know, so it'd be really hard to, you know, say, hey, that one's my favorite, even though I got one over there that thinks he's my favorite, but uh, we'll leave that one alone. But anyways, li- listen, likewise, when, uh, when it comes to God's word, I have many verses that I uh, personally favor for a variety of reasons. And in fact, I'll just maybe say this before I go down this uh, little list here. You know, I'm a person that believes that whatever you're going through in life, man, if you can identify an address in a scripture, if you can grab a hold of it and you can hold on to it, God will do incredible things with it. Amen. Amen. So listen, for me personally, I, I have favored certain verses over the years, partially because of this, because man, they've helped me uh, through difficult times in life. How many of you guys know there's difficult spots in life and there's times, man, where, where just one scripture, it almost like it holds your heart together. Anybody ever been there? Listen, there's times where I've said, man, I favor a verse because, man, I, it's helping me to, uh, you know, trust God in this season of transition. If you've ever been in transition, you know God's moving you somewhere, but you don't know where he's moving you. And it's just good to be able to hold on to something. There, there's times where I've, uh, you know, favored verses because they've helped me to persevere, to kind of keep going. You know, when I wasn't really sure, uh, you know, what God was doing. In fact, they, you know, in those moments, it's like that one scripture gave me hope and it gave me as a minister or a reason, you know, to kind of keep praying, to keep preaching, because I believed God was going to do something, that a breakthrough was going to come. Amen? Listen, that there's times where I favored verses and still favor verses because they challenge me to be more like Jesus. There's, there's verses in the Bible that I favor because they, they stretch my faith to believe the impossible. Yes, there's times where I favor the verse because they speak to uh, my personal value, my personal visions. There's times where, uh, you know, whatever, I favored verses because, uh, you know, it's a reminder that God loves me and that he's for me and he's not against me, right? And, and it reminds me that, well, again, that, uh, that guess what? He sees me and he's active in my life. And then lastly, uh, you know, there's times where I favored verses because, uh, because they confirm uh, the purpose and the call that I feel in my life. Am I the only one here today? Listen, all in all, there's, uh, 
Really, no matter the circumstance, God has used each one of those uh, favored verses to, to do this, really just to recenter uh, my heart on what's most important in that moment. So listen, for example, one of those uh, recentering verses for me is uh, actually Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's where Jesus simply said this. He said, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall or they will see God. Listen, I can't tell you how many times over the years that single verse, those 11 small words have checked me, have challenged me, and ultimately have motivated me to do what is right in God's eyes for no other reason than this. And I think you'll understand it's because I want to see God. In fact, just out of curiosity, is there anybody else in the place today that says, man, I just want to see God? Amen. Listen, um, Truth be told, over the past 20 plus years of being a Christian, I I haven't met a single person who is really serious about their relationship with God that hasn't, you know, in some way desperately wanted to see God move in their lives. And, uh, you know, sure, you know, one person may describe what that looks like a little different than someone else. They may put a different language to it. But at the end of the day, we're all really saying the same thing, man, that we want to experience God in a real and keyword, an undeniable way. Right? There, there's nothing like going from, I think that was to God, I think that was God too, I know that was God. Amen? So listen, if you're sitting here today and you feel like this uh, verse kind of describes you and maybe where you're at, I just uh, maybe want to throw this out there. I think we'd all agree that if we want to see God, it is just as Jesus said, uh, it will require us to have a pure heart. Amen? So listen, to be clear on something, and you know, when Jesus said the word heart there in Matthew 5, 8, he wasn't talking about that vital organ that, you know, beats in your chest. Uh, you know, nor was he using the word as we so often do in America when we, uh, you know, try to describe how a man loves a woman, man, that he loves her with all of his heart as if to describe some kind of, uh, you know, passion or some feelings. It's like almost in my head. I'm like, cue Michael Bolton, right, at that moment. Uh, yeah, my mama used to like him. Anyways, but, but listen, on the contrary, listen, because Jesus was a Jew, uh, he would have used the word heart in the Hebrew sense of the word. And this is really important for us to get or we're not going to understand today. But the word heart, when we talk about, once again, for a Jew, it actually encompasses every part of a person's life. It, it is used to describe a person's emotions as well as their spiritual, mental, and physical life. It is the total unit of a person. So when he said heart... Once again, he was going beyond not just this little small thing. He was talking about really all of it. Yes? So, so listen, as you can expect, the word heart here, it does speak to our innermost thoughts, right, that we all have. Our innermost passions, desires, appetites, affections, purpose, and endeavors. Uh, you know, all those hidden parts of the soul. But it also encompasses this, our actions, our character, our personality, and our spirit. I know that's a lot, but I want you to see, once again, the picture that it's the complete package of who we are that Jesus is talking about. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, Jesus made it really clear that you and I shouldn't make a mistake of separating the inside and the outside of a person. In fact, he said this in two verses, and this may uh, seem a little different than the way you've read these verses before. But he said this in Matthew 15, starting in verse 18. He said, but the words you speak come from the heart. Get that. The actions come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual morality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Then he says in Matthew 5, he said this. He says, you've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I say that, watch this, for kind of for a little side note. As we live in a day and age where there's this... uh, over-exaggerated, um, you know, emphasis on grace. And we, and, and once again, I believe in grace wholeheartedly. I'm thankful for grace as I hope you are in here today. But, but it's this idea that, they, that, that the grace basically said, well, uh, you know, you can do whatever you want, that, that whatever, it's okay. Uh, you, you know, God knows your heart. That's the point. He knows your heart. Yes, because Jesus came, watch this, under this covenant of grace, and it became beyond just actions. Now it became motives of the heart, right? So he actually upped the ante. He didn't somehow, uh, you know, say it's okay, do whatever you want. Anyways, so so with all that in mind, I want us to take kind of a, a complete circle 
If, we, if all that's true, then that means that we could read Matthew 5, 8 in this way. Blessed are those who are pure, which means blameless, once again, inside and outside. Those who have a pure what? Life, for they shall see God. So if we want to see God in here, guys, then we got to have a pure life. That's all I'm saying, okay? So, so here's kind of maybe the point. If you and I in here, if we uh, truly want to see God as much as we say we do, right, then we need to make sure that our lives inside and outside, our full hearts are pleasing to him. Are you all with me? All right. So watch this. Kind of said all that so I could get to this verse. Th- this week, I, it's like I kept, I kept being redirected to this verse. And, and I'm going to kind of forewarn you. It, it, it's kind of like a, it, it's one of them who ya ones. All right. So, uh, so we'll read it and, and, then, and then I'll hopefully be able to explain what I feel like Jesus is saying to us today. Because I feel like it's a very specific word. Uh, let's look at this in Matthew 23. We're kind of picking up midstream uh, in Jesus' words to kind of get to the point here. He said this in verse 23. He says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. Told you it was a good one. <laughs> it says, For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. It says, But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. He said, you should tithe. That simply means to give a tenth. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things, blind guides. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat because that would have made them unclean, but you swallow a camel. In other words, what he's saying is, is guys, you get so caught up in the little unnecessary details of life that, you've, that you actually miss out on the most important things. And then in verse 25, he says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, says, For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are, here's the key part that I kept hearing all week, For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Does anybody feel encouraged yet? (laughs) Listen, for all those people who think Jesus was this, you know, whatever, little pansy, sweet, mild, timid fellow that never ruffled feathers, man, they need to read that passage of Scripture. And, uh, you know, I'm just like, I'm reading, and the only thing I'm thinking is just, ouch, dog, that hurts, right? Uh, you, you know, it's, I'll put it in my vernacular. Talk about not pulling punches. If there's ever been a spiritual throat punch, this was it right here, right? Anyways, so listen, as, um, as you hear that passage this morning, uh, I want to make something really clear. When I look around the room this morning, I don't see a bunch of uh, people that would traditionally be labeled as whitewashed tombs. Okay, so you can breathe a little. Uh, I'm not going to throw any spiritual throat punches at you, all right? So for that reason, because for that reason, because I don't look around and go, man, uh, yep, there's one, yep, there's one, yep, there's one. You know, I, I just simply this week begin to pray, God, God, I don't think, I don't sense in my heart that you want me to tell all these people they're whitewashed tombs. Uh, so what do you want me to tell them? And, and immediately I heard in my spirit, I heard him simply say this. He said, tell them, don't settle. Don't settle. And, and, and you know, um, hopefully with those two words, you'll view this scripture different than you've ever viewed it before. And uh, I know it certainly has made me see it before. So let, let me explain what I think he is trying to say. I think so often when we read scriptures like that, we automatically check off the Pharisees like a bunch of knuckleheads, right? Because Jesus clearly here is rebuking them. If you read what happened before, he's rebuking them for their extortion, their self-indulgence, their uncleanness, their hypocrisy, and ultimately for violating God's law, right? I mean, remember, he called them a bunch of snakes for good reason, right? But I want us to know today, I just don't want us to forget this simple thought. They didn't start that way. They didn't start that way. Listen, history tells us that these Pharisees, they weren't some, uh, you know, pious people that were all, you know, arrogant and just thought that they were stuffed. They had come from a loads of money. Uh, you know, listen, when these guys began, and they were middle class, and, and they chose to separate. That's what the word Pharisee means, 
to be separate, that they chose to separate themselves from the world around them simply because they wanted to love God. They wanted to serve him. Watch this. From their passion, they believed Get that, they believed and they memorized scripture. In fact, if you, unless I'm missing something at this moment, I could be, but when you go look at the, at the Sadducees and the scribes and the Essenes and all those groups of people that were really the religious sect of the day, I, I believe I'm right, and, and Angelo will fix it later from Rome, but, but, but it's simply this, that, that uh, these guys, I believe, were the only ones that said, we believe the whole book. Right? So, so listen, so these guys only believed the book. They memorized it. They, they walked around with placards in front of their face because they wanted to live by the book. You know, when's the last time you put a scripture on your ball cap? Right? And so, listen, these guys prayed and they fasted. Man, they gave regularly. They attended the synagogue or what we know as church. And, and they led what most would consider to be an upright and moral life. And for the most part, guys, these, these Pharisees, they were respected. And they had a large amount of influence in their society. So, so at the end of the day, I'm simply saying this. There had to be some kind of good in there. Right? In other words, that, that if you can hear this, that these guys didn't set out to become Pharisees. Right, so, but listen, but somewhere along the way, you know, they got off the right path, right? That all that good inside of them began to get mixed up with some evil, and that ungodly mixture has ultimately become what we now know and recognize as a Pharisee, which is something that we look down upon, right? So, you know, listen, when, when I, when I um, hear all that, I don't know about you, but I can't help to wonder what happened, how did they go from here in such a good spot to become these guys that turned out to be a bunch of crooks? How did that happen? What, what shifted in their hearts? And, and the only thing I can say, because I believe God is talking, that it simply is because they settled. And I hope that somehow in Jesus' name that this will be relatable to us today, right? Listen, here's what it means to be settle, settled, at least what I think it means. That these guys became comfortable and complacent with where they were spiritually, that they began to be comfortable and complacent with where they were. In other words, once they began, began to be comfortable and complacent, uh, they began to close off certain portions of their hearts and their lives off to the Holy Spirit. That, that literally when this happened, they stopped moving forward in the, in the direction that God wanted them to move in. In other words, they settled, right? And, and I personally believe that those, uh, those closed off areas is what ultimately became uh, what Jesus referred to as a bunch of dead man's bones, bunch of decaying, stinking flesh that was inside of them. So you, you see this, if you can get the picture. In spite of their initial good start, somewhere along the way, they felt like they had gone far enough in their spiritual journey. Let me put in these words. They felt like, man, I've been walking with Jesus long enough. I'm putting it in our day terms. And, and, you know, a lot's changed in me, and maybe I'm just good. <laughs> right? In other words... These, these things that I struggled with so bad when I became, when I became a believer, you know, I've kind of got over the hump a little bit. and they're, You know, I'm not tripping all over those things. I'm kind of good. I'm kind of good now. And, and, you know, I just kind of think this, that once these guys, you know, they, they believed they had gone far enough, not in their eyes, but, man, everybody else around them, hey, you're awesome, you're awesome, you're great, we love you, you're wonderful, right? That the only thing left for them to do, watch this, when they got to that point where they thought they were good, was to do this, to put an exorbitant amount of attention on the external, on the outside, even at the expense of what? Ignoring the internal or the inside. Am I making sense? Listen, there's two problems when we do this. And, and listen, we would be fools in this place to believe that we are not tempted in the same way they were. Right? And, but there, there's two humongous problems when we begin to put all of our attention on the external. And hopefully this makes sense. Number one is this, is we now have to perform to keep up appearances. Let me make this really plain. How many times have you... Uh, you know, whatever. I'll talk to you married folks real quick, okay? Because we can all relate, and this will definitely land. How many times have you argued from your house to this church? That little 10-minute ride, <laughs> right? You, 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 found, you found an argument in that car, and you pull, up in the, in the, you pull up in the parking lot here. You're still mad at each other, right? Don't like each other. 
and, and you, you don't even pray. You don't get it right. You don't say, can you forgive me? I was wrong. You just silent treatment. Let's go to church. I'm not even holding your hand. <laughs> and you walk through those doors and hey. <laughs> That's performance. Yep. Hey, listen, how many times have you been somewhere and man, you ain't prayed in three days. And somebody goes, man, I need you to pray for me. And you slap that spiritual face on like you're just a man of God. <laughs> Jesus. Performance. Amen. Listen, um, here's the truth. There's not, any, there's not one of us in this room that have walked with Jesus for a while that we actually want to have a moment where we don't look like we're spiritual. Yes? And, and knowing we got flesh, all of us. But listen, the problem is, is, is with when you got to feel like you got to, you know, keep up the appearance, like you got the paparazzi around you, it, it, is this. It's like, man, that, that's draining. And, uh, and it'll cause you after a while because you perform and you don't go uh, get with Jesus and find life in him and spend time with him and, and drink from the fountain of life. What happens is after a while, man, you become paper thin in your soul. And, and see, that, that's what a hypocrite really is at its essence, is someone who is pretending to be something they're not at that moment. Yes? And so, listen, all of us in this room know that's not authentic and it's not real. But not only is it not real, it's not satisfying. So, so let's just be real. Amen? Number two. Man, I, I so said this in a dude way. <laughs> Listen, you, you know a man said that, right? Yeah, anyways. I typed that out and I was like, hmm, they'll remember it. Anyway, so, so I'll say it the way I got it here. Listen, that when the, the bottom line, listen, in life, we're going to hit bumps in the road, right? We're going to hit bumps in the road. And, and listen, when we hit a bump in the road, all of that, don't miss these words, all the unfinished business we have with God, all of that stuff that hasn't been surrendered, all of that rotten flesh and decaying stuff on the inside of us, that stuff will begin to smell. It will begin to stink up the place. Am I making sense? Once again, don't act like for a minute that when you were in your car on the way to church, we'll tie it into the first one, that, that, that you know, whatever your husband said or whatever your wife said, that they didn't poke a spot where it was dead man bones. And that's what you released at that moment. It may have came out as angry. It may have came out in tears. It may have came out whatever. But at the end of the day, man, that was just some unfinished business. Am I making sense? You, you know, listen, we, if, if we know that whatever, we're at work, somebody says something, we get offended. What are, that's unfinished business. If, it, if it's something that happened when I was 14 years old and I'm still hanging on that thing somehow on the inside, it's unfinished business. It's an open wound. Right? It, you know, I've learned something in life that it literally, it doesn't matter how much my wife loves me. If there's still a spot that's a wound, uh, if she touches that old scab, as much as she loves me, it still hurts. It's unfinished business. So listen, today I'm not, my goal is not to go around necessarily and pick out. That's between you and the Holy Ghost. Okay? But, but I believe there's probably not a person in the room that doesn't have unfinished business somewhere. And watch this, and even though I know it's kind of funny, but people around you smell it even if you're aware of it or not. You know, for years, you know, Candace is back there. Candace uh, was our junior high pastor, and we, and we uh, you know, Jen, whatever, and, uh, and Josiah, all of us, we ran a youth ministry together in North Carolina. Good years. And, uh, you know, it was always funny because there was a different smell in the room on the Wednesday night versus Sunday morning. Because on Sunday mornings, it was junior high kids that they were having, you know, puberty and their bodies changing and all those things. And you could tell all the kids that didn't put deodorant on. I can, literally, there's times we said, Let, let's just spray something in the room because <laughs> I'm about to die, right? So true statement. So listen, but how, you know, the funny part was is those kids were clueless that they stunk. You know, and I've met 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 year olds that were clueless that they stink. And I'm not talking about body odor. I'm talking about just stuff in their life. 
Yeah? So, if you're a junior high agent here, wear deodorant for the rest of us. All right? There's, if you get nothing else out of today's sermon, <laughs> brush your teeth, wash your rear end, and wear deodorant. Amen. <laughs> we could go home on that, right? <laughs> Man, so back to the point. Watch this. So those two things, right, have to keep up performances, keep hitting tough spots, and the ugly comes out, right? Is that not happened with the Pharisees? Man, they got complacent. They got comfortable. And watch this. This is key. They started hiding behind their fancy clothes, their notoriety, and their man-made traditions, the external. But when they were tempted, what happened? They wilted. And once again, all the character flaws, all the dark spots in their soul begin to be exposed for everybody to see. Watch this. I read this the other day. I thought this may sound like a little odd example, but I, I kind of want you to, to have a, a picture. And we can, if we can get that video after I read this, um, kind of give you a picture of maybe what something looks like in your life. Watch this. Here's what I read. Uh, it says this. While visiting in Haiti, Del A. Hayes heard a Haitian pastor illustrate to his congregation the need for total commitment to Christ. In essence, that's kind of what we're talking about today. And he said this, he told of a certain man, this is his illustration, he told of a certain man who wanted to sell his house for $2,000. Another man badly wanted it, but couldn't afford the full price. After much haggling, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the asking price with just one stipulation, that he would retain ownership of one small nail protruding from just over the door. After several years, the original owner wanted the house back, but the new owner was unwilling to uh, sell it back. So the first owner went out, found the carcass, found a carcass of a dead dog, and he hung it from the single nail he still owned. Unable to remove the decaying dog from the nail, soon the house was so horrid, uh, it became so uninhabitable. In other words, it stunk so bad he couldn't even live in it. It was unfit. So the family was forced to do what? To sell the house back to the original owner. Here's the point, if I can somehow tie this in. Us and the Pharisees here. Because the Pharisees did this because they settled and they were unwilling to seek the Holy Spirit's help in removing, if you will, the nail from their lives. Instead, they made the choice to hide behind what their performance and all their rituals, but, but here's the thing. When we do that, guess what? The nail still remains, right? And, and what happens is when that nail still remains, it keeps an opportunity available, a way for the enemy of our souls to do what? To hang his rotting garbage on it, right? It, it gives him access to, uh, to our lives. In fact, I, I love what the words of Jesus said. He just give me grace here because I'm not going to quote it verbatim. But, but he said this. He says, basically, the enemy has no place in me. Incredible, right? Because how often do we leave the door open and then we get mad when he comes, right? So, so listen, what happens is, is when, when, that, when, when that nail is still there, that unfinished business, however you want to word it, guess what? When, when the enemy comes and hangs his garbage, garbage on it, guess what? That makes an unpleasant, and I'll keep saying this, but I keep saying it for a reason, uh, an unpleasant aroma to all of those around us right? If I can say it this way, this is no different than someone who sells out to God, right? God, I want to serve you. God, I want to give you everything I got. But they refuse to surrender a small piece of their lives. And that one small piece, once again, it, it, it keeps them, right? Keeps the door open, keeps the influence. It delays them. It holds them back. However you want to work, keeps them from being unhealed, keeps them from being whole, right? So let me just say this. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this one statement. We'll play this video. If you can sit in this way, it, it, it hurts our relationship with God and with other people. You guys ready? Awesome. Watch this. This is just for fun. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail 
in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking? Listen, if you've been married, you know the deal, right? Anyways. All right, listen, I know that's silly, but but maybe to stop for a second, okay? And um <laughs> for, if you're married. That's all I'm gonna say. If you if you're married, yeah. Yeah. Just to add on thought here that I wasn't planning on saying, this is super spiritual, all right, is uh, if people around you keep pointing out something, it may really be true, right? And so if you can maybe give them an opportunity to actually speak the truth and hear it, it might go well, all right? Anyways, let's shift gears here. <laughs> um, if we can, I want to I try to land this thing. If we can just this morning take a moment and you know, blatantly be honest with ourselves before God. Uh, you know, I'm amazed at how often we're just not honest with ourselves. Yeah? And uh, so if we can maybe take a moment to open up our hearts, and I think the, the first thing really where we're trying to get to is just recognize. And once again, I know I'm beating the, the drum again and again and again, but if we can just recognize, recognize, man, that there's nails probably in my life, there's probably unfinished business inside of me that keeps me, once again, full circle from experiencing God uh, to the measure that we would like. Yeah? And uh, listen, because I believe we're a church that says, man, we want to see God, I just want to simply, let's, let's get real and just ask some questions. And um, here's the questions. Where are we potentially settling in this season of our lives? Um, can, can I maybe, everybody look at me, please. If I can just say something. I wasn't going to say this. Um, if there's something that Jesus has told you, okay, maybe it's through a prophetic word, maybe it was through a scripture, maybe it was just that still small voice in a prayer time. If there's something he has told you that you've allowed to go on the shelf and put on the back burner, I'm telling you that's where you've settled, right? A lot of times we can't go forward until we do the last thing he told us to do. Yeah. If I can just kind of add, just kind of illustrate a story. Uh, years ago, we had a night of worship in North Carolina, and man, the, the presence of God was like boom in the place. And, and I remember getting up at the end, I just felt compelled to say, um, you know, God is faithful that when we love on him, that he'll come and love on us. And I just said, hey, listen, before you leave tonight, if there's anybody here that wants prayer, uh, man, we'd, we'd love to pray for you. And, and my good friend, David Valier and I, we, we and some other leaders, we went around, and there was kids and adults, because it was open up to the whole church, and we went around, and we were praying for people, and it was just a really incredible night where just, uh, you know, the gifts of the Spirit were in operation, you know, just uh, words of knowledge, words, I mean, it was just a really good night where God was speaking. And, and I remember that there was one, uh, one guy with us, he was actually on our staff, that he, um, he wanted prayer because he wanted to hear from God, right? Once again, we all desperately want God to move in our lives. And I remember I went to go pray for him, and the only thing I heard, I mean, it was like such a clear night. There was uh, no clutter in the atmosphere, if you will. It was just open heaven. And I remember hearing clear as a bell uh, to tell him, and uh, you know, basically, until you do the last thing that God told you to do, he's not going to tell you anything else. And I just said, hey, man, called him by name. I feel like the Lord is saying this. And immediately when I said it, he smiled, shook his head, and I just said, um, uh, you, know what, you know what he's talking about? He said, yeah, I do, PQ. I said, well, I guess we're done. Not, you know, there was nothing else to say. And so to, for some of you, there may be one or two of you in this room today 
Yeah, God has said something too, and I just encourage you, go back to the last thing you said and just do it. Amen? And then he'll start uh, moving you at the pace that you want to move at. That was free. There we go. All right, so, so in essence to, today, you know, what could the nail be that the enemy is using? What unfinished business do you have in your soul with God? Man, is there anything in there that hasn't been dealt with yet or hasn't been surrendered to the Holy Spirit? No, I'm asking the same thing in a hundred ways for a reason, though. Uh, is there anything that hasn't been healed? Is there anything that we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to touch or confront? Do we, do we keep brushing something off, you know, that he keeps trying to bring to our attention? And, uh, you know, so let me kind of set that aside. Uh, maybe you're in here today and it's not a quote-unquote unhealthy or bad thing. Uh, you know, maybe there's somebody in here, and I feel this in my heart, that there's somebody in here today that basically God has given you a dream. And I don't mean a dream as like, uh, you know, uh, a, an actual dream. I went to sleep. I'm talking about a dream, a desire in your heart that, uh, you know, that you've just simply done this. You simply haven't had enough faith to step out. And, and that dream is dying on the inside of you. In other words, it's a whitewashed tomb. Everybody thinks, wow, you got together. But on the inside, you feel like you're dying because you're not doing what you were created to do. I believe he can breathe on that today. So listen, I think maybe that there's somebody in here that, man, you've been given gifts, you've been given a calling, and man, that thing's laying dormant. Man, it's, it's dormant, it's being unused. And uh, it's simply because of this, because you don't feel qualified. You don't feel worthy. That's the word I heard. And, and so that thing's dying inside of you. So wherever today you feel like you're being delayed, man, it's time to move forward, right? So, so listen, whatever uh, the answer, whatever, the, you know, to those questions today is for you, I simply want to encourage you not to do this. And I feel like I have to say this, uh, that you would not hide behind these things, that you wouldn't hide behind your past spiritual accomplishments, I can do great things for God for 20 years, and then I get to this spot, and now guess what? I've settled. Don't hide, right? Don't hide behind this. Don't hide behind the knowledge of the Bible. At the end of the day, guess what? All of us in this room should want our knowledge of the Bible and our experience with God to match up. Some of us aren't getting experience with God because we're hiding behind our knowledge. Yes? And then there's other people in this room that I feel like, honestly, that, that it's this, that you're like, uh, yes, I have all these issues, but, you know, you, you, you use your lack of knowledge of the word to not get free. Well, go get some knowledge of the word. Go get a revelation. Go hear from God so you can get free. Amen? L listen, that's this, that people can literally hide behind their confidence and their personality. They have loads of charisma. They have confidence, Right? Uh, you know, don't hide behind how you compare to others. Well, I can easily look around the room and go, yep, I'm better than you. Yep, I'm better than you. Yep, I'm, I'm settling if that's my, if that's my uh, measurement stick. Our measurement stick is Jesus. Amen? So listen, that, are we hiding behind? Well, I, I go to church. So you hide behind your church attendance. Or maybe you serve. Are you hiding behind your volunteer opportunities? Or maybe even this, let's get real. Uh, you know, are you hiding behind your past church hurt? Listen, everybody in this room's got some church hurt somewhere. Can I get a witness, right? Everybody. But, but this, do you choose to let that thing become, you know, whatever, become the mooring that you hook to is keeping you from going anywhere, right? And I'm telling you, man, there's healing and freedom for that. Yeah? That, listen, are you hiding today behind your past disappointments? Uh, I, li listen, and I, I oh. I don't mean this in any callous way. I'm sorry somebody touched you. Quit hiding behind it. If Jesus got brought healing, he can bring healing to all. Yes? I'm just kind of whatever. Somebody hollered at you, beat you, whatever. Just don't hide behind it. And lastly, I want to say this. If you didn't hear any of those, hear this one. Don't hide behind the promises of God. What are you talking about, Willis? The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Do you realize that we can hide behind that promise? Because we can say that and do nothing on our part. Right? L listen, as we were talking the other night at dinner, he, uh, you know, once again, he'll finish his work to the measure that you'll let him. Right? And, and so I, I, can, I can sit here all day and say, well, he said he'd, he'd finished the work. He's going to do exceedingly above and beyond anything I could hope or imagine. Amen. But if I don't take responsibility, 
of what he's saying, then guess what? I'm, I'm just hiding behind the promise. I'm never going to move forward. I've settled. Amen. Amen. Listen, today, I just simply say this. Um, I just declare to you today in the name of Jesus that I believe that in the same way in Ezekiel, I want to say it's first, uh, chapter 37, I could be wrong, but in the same way that uh, the Lord asked Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? He said, only you know, Lord. And what was the answer? Yes. I say that because there's people in this room today, you've said, you know what, I've been fighting nothing for 20 years. I'm tired of fighting it. These dry bones can live. Every single thing that we can surrender to him and say, Jesus, breathe on it. Breathe on it. Guess what? He can bring it back to life. Are y'all hearing me today? So don't, don't lose hope, yeah? Tom, if you can go ahead and come. You're, so rolling all the way back up to the top. You know, we said, bless is he. That actually means congratulations is, is in order. For those who have a pure life, a pure heart, for they shall see God. To understand that when we talk about purity, in essence, what we're talking about, everything today, and this was Jesus' problem with those guys, uh, the Pharisees, it's because why? Because they didn't have holiness. And listen, God wants to make us holy, not because we can think we're better than other people, but so we can be whole. <laughs> That's so we can be whole. And so inside of us today, what is unfinished? Uh, listen, we're a church that believes that God speaks, right? Right? We believe God speaks. And so today, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take communion as kind of our closing deal, okay, with the Lord today. Now, now I recognize that we all know that typically communion is done, that we, that we simply, you know, celebrate the blood of Jesus and, and this body day laid down for us, what it, you know, the sacrifice on the cross. But, but I want us to take communion today in this sense, that, that we are saying that whatever God shows us in a minute, that we can take that and we can bring that to him and we say, God, today I still believe that your power, your blood, what and your grace is still enough to do what? That still has the ability to breathe your abundant life in it. Right? That today, that all we're going to do is, once again, when we do this, we're committing and we're surrendering that area to him. And so I simply want to do this. Before we pass these things out, I want us to close our eyes, and I simply want to make room for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Let's simply say this. Say, Holy Spirit, will you speak to me today? Will you show me any unfinished business in my soul? Just so I can kind of know where we're at as a congregation, if you, your eyes closed, if you're like, man, he spoke to me, I know what it is. Just kind of slide your hand up just so I can see. I don't want to leave anybody out. I don't want to, yeah. yeah. Awesome. I'm going to give everybody else a moment. Just simply, Holy Spirit, speak. Listen, he loves you today. He wants you to be made whole more than you want to be whole. And he will come and he'll help you. Once again, he does want to finish the work. He does want to do it singly above and beyond anything you could hope or imagine. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
kind of in this attitude. I want um, these guys to come, and they're just going to start passing the the, uh, cups for communion. Here's what I want to do. Please listen to me. When you get it, go ahead and open that thing up, that loud thing up. And um, there's not going to be a time where we all eat and drink together today. I simply want you in your own moment with God to uh, just say, God, I give you this. And I'm going to partake today because I'm believing that you're going to finish the work in me.
stand to our feet. Just please pray with me one more time. Father, simply by faith today, Lord, we ask, God, according to your word, that you would come and you would breathe on us today. That you would breathe, God, on any of the uh, bones that are in us today. God, we don't want to be whitewashed tombs. God, we want to be people who are whole. God, that are full of your glory, that we carry your glory, that we carry, God, just uh, your presence and your anointing. God, everywhere we go, Lord, we don't want to have nails in our life, God, that keep causing us to leak. And so, Lord, we just thank you, God, for just healing, God, over every person today. God, that they would choose in Jesus' name to not settle and not remain, but, God, that they would grab a hold of you, God, and they would go uh, as far as you want and as long as you want and where you want. God, I pray today, God, that they'll say what you want them to say, that they'll do what you want them to do. God, that they will live how you want them to live. And Lord, today, God, just simply as we have taken, God, from the cup, God, and as we've eaten of the bread, Father, we just commit to you, God, once again, our lives. We say, God, we are yours. We are yours. We are yours. We are yours. God, the work that you started in us, God, we thank you that you're faithful to complete it. And Father, we just ask, God, simply today as we end, God, that you would help us to do our part in the process so we can become all that you've destined for us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.